3: Welcome to the Tuesday afternoon edition of Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV, of course, on your Super Talk Mississippi radio stations. Thank you for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation? Won't you join us on the ceasefire text line? 601-879-4395. That's the number. 601-879-4395. You've got, of course difficult people to shop for on your holiday list. So let's Spire help. Visit their website, cSpire.com. You can find out some of the great deals they've got going on or stop by a C Spire store. They're all over the state of Mississippi and talk to one of their associates there and they will get you fixed up. That's spire.com. We're coming to you as always from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Uh, among the things that you can wager on are Heisman odds, right? You can, uh, early in the season, you can find great value, you can place futures bets on who you think is going to be there. You can even make those wagers right now. And going into last weekend, the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy was Caleb Williams, the quarterback at Southern Cal who had a phenomenal season, right? Uh, by, By all measures, he was really, really good. But he was not very good in the last game in which he played, a game that Southern Cal lost to Utah. We have four finalists for the Heisman Trophy. Caleb William from Southern Cal. Max Duggan from TCU, who was quite good the last time we saw him, even though TCU lost the game. C.J. Stroud, who was not great the last time we saw him in a loss to the University of Michigan. And you have... Stetson Bennett from Georgia, who was really, really good this past weekend in the SEC championship game and has saved his best work for the best teams that have been on Georgia's schedule throughout the course of the season. He was really good against Oregon. He was really good against Tennessee. He was really good against LSU in the SEC championship game. But Borky. You are convinced that we have lost our way on the Heisman Trophy.
4: Tell me why you think that. Yeah, we've lost the plot. Uh, I mean, the award is supposed to go to the most outstanding player in college football, right? Let's leave Stetson Bennett out for a second. Let's take him out. Is C.J. Stroud in the top four best players in all of college football? Because I don't think he's the most outstanding player on his offense. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is more outstanding. He's a better wide receiver than C.J. Stroud is quarterback. I understand the importance of the position, but still. Is Stetson Bennett the fourth, really, at worst, the fourth best player in all of college football? The fourth most outstanding player in all of college football? No. CJ C- Stroud plays quarterback for Ohio State. That's why he's here. Stetson Bennett is a cool story who plays well. Good quarterback on a great team. That's why he's here. I will, I will certainly give you that Stetson Bennett is not the best player on the University of Georgia's team. He's not. He's a good. He's a good story though and and people undersell his ability. Good quarterback. Like it, you know, he's not a charity case. He can play. Kid can play. He's not the best quarterback in his division, and he's not the best player on his team. Why are the people that, that vote on this so consumed with quarterback? Jalen Hyatt, for example, from Tennessee, he averages 19 yards per catch in the SEC. 19 yards per catch, has 15 touchdowns. He has 20, uh, or 1,270 yards on like 65 receptions. W- why do we have to just hand it to quarterbacks? Michigan's best player, bless him, is out for the season as a running back. Yeah, Blake Corham. He's been unbelievable this season. But Stetson Bennett's been better? That's what I don't like it is why, and it's been like this for a while, but can we really not dig any deeper than quarterback on a playoff team? Is that really what the Heisman Trophy is supposed to be? Because CJ Stroud's not the best player on his offense. He's not a top four player in college football. Th- th- this award is a waste of everybody's time now.
3: It's still prestigious, but no, it it, it is different than it once was. Um, Hey, Dad, if you had. Now, we know the reason that the four were invited was because they had votes that had them reasonably in the neighborhood of the guy that's going to win it, right? I mean, I I don't think many people think that Stetson Bennett is going to actually win the award on Saturday night,
0: but
2: he was close enough in the neighborhood to be invited. That's part of the issue, isn't it? Like, who's voting Stetson Bennett in this group? Like, you're supposed to be a bunch of people. Well, but who? Why? What's the thought process there? The stats don't bear it out. I mean, he's just the quarterback for the best team. That's that's, that's his resume. I'm the quarterback for the best team in college football.
3: 3,400 yards, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. You know, rushing yards are fine. Also... But best player in college football, I would agree with you that that he's not it. But I would ask you this. So we know the reason that those four guys get invited to New York, because they're the four that got the most overall votes, and it was close enough to bring four in pa- the past. Sometimes they've done three, sometimes they've done five. We got four going this year. So if you had to say the four players that should be in New York, in your mind, in your mind, Brian Hayden, in your mind, Michael Borke, who are the four that should be in New York, that in your mind would give this award legitimacy once again?
2: Who you got? Caleb Williams should be there. He's had a fantastic season. I don't have an issue with him. Yeah,
4: 37 37 Um, touchdowns, four
2: interceptions for Caleb Williams. He's He's been unreal. Good player. Good player. The guy who was the favorite for like six, seven weeks was Hendon Hooker. And I know he's injured... But why does that take you know away? If he doesn't want to, he's not going to win. Fine, but that guy was the best quarterback in college football from week one to week eleven, basically. Twenty-seven touchdowns. There's no reason for him not to be. Two interceptions in the SEC and led his team to number one. No, no, no reason for him not to be there. There should be a running back there for sure, either Corum or Bijan Robinson probably. And then I agree I agree, you know, I hate to say two Tennessee guys, but I mean Jalen Hyatt is the best wide receiver in college football. There's not a defensive player. Will Anderson didn't have the kind of year that he had a season ago. Right. There's not a guy who just stands out for me on the defensive side of the ball is like, okay, he should be there. But yeah, well, you know, there should definitely be a running back and a wide receiver in the room.
3: Would you have a problem with Brock Bowers being there? Tight end from Georgia? It's an interesting choice. 726 I, I yards and six touchdowns as a receiver, and also six carries for 93 yards and three touchdowns. The numbers don't bear it out for Brock Bowers, but you got to look beyond just what's on the stat sheet.
2: Yeah. I probably wouldn't have him there, but he is he is one of the best. If we go by the idea that they're the, the best player in college football, then Bowers has a very strong case, because just watch him play. There's no other tight end doing the things that he does. Who would your four be, Orkey? Um,
4: I would have to decide between Hyatt and Marvin Harrison Jr. Hyatt, by the way, got an NIL deal with Hyatt, like NIL as it was Fantastic. supposed to be. G- good call there. Yeah. Uh, Corum and Caleb Williams.
2: Yeah, don't you think Hilton should have made a big offer for Hyatt? She's been like, look, we can we you can bet. really have some fun with this. And yeah, and like I'm, my name might be Hyatt, Marriott but I stay at Bond the Hilton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I stay at the Marriott. I mean, that's a great ad campaign.
4: And, and I, w- if if you bring four Hinden Hooker, uh, despite his injury, couldn't play obviously in the last game and a half. But uh, like that said, he threw two interceptions all season. Was the best quarterback in college football until yeah. he was no longer able to play because of his injury. And just. A little bit of depth is required. I mean, when you look at Harrison Jr. and in, in Hyatt's numbers, they are staggering because their reception totals are small, right? So I've got him up. Hyatt has 67 catches, which is a small number considering he has 1,267 yards, which is 19 per catch in 15 touchdowns. I mean, that that is doing that in the Southeastern Conference, the the league that has the best defensive backs in America year in and year out. And and people couldn't cover him. They bracket covered him. Didn't matter. He would still get open and not even a thought. Just crazy. I know every I know everybody
3: has Alabama fatigue, and if you're gonna win it a second consecutive year, I mean your numbers have got to be insane. But Bryce Young's one of the four best players in college football. I wouldn't argue against yeah. you. His
2: numbers So is Will Anderson. Way down His from numbers a year ago. just weren't ridiculous like they were a season ago.
3: Yeah, I mean, he eighteen hundred fewer passing yards, twenty fewer touchdown passes, and completed fewer of his passes. But he also had three hundred fifty nine attempts this year, in comparison to five forty seven a year ago. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back.
0: Come on, Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi.
5: Christmas cookie. You got the best taste of Christmas cookie that I ever seen. I learned the way they come with sugar and spice. Eating any eat the oven, it smells so nice. Come on, say some Christmas cookies for me.
3: Back with you on Sports Talk putty. Mississippi, streaming at Supertalk.fm FM and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. look little controversy in the World Cup today. I, before you start throwing stuff at me for for talking oh, about soccer, here we soccer, go. Here, just just briefly, Cristiano Ronaldo was benched by his Portuguese coach or manager. Ended up playing in the game match, but uh, was not a starter today. <laughs> Talk about a guy yeah, that has scored matter, a though. goal in five different World Cups. Yeah.
2: So what's the deal? That's kind of the story of his life right now. He's he's you know kind of persona non grata wherever he goes.
3: Well, Saudi Arabia uh, has
2: rolled out the welcome mat for him. They have to the tune of two hundred million dollars a year. Yes, yes, that is correct. That's more than rolling out the welcome mat. That's rolling out the welcome cat palace. Sports washing is an amazing thing.
4: I mean, listening to people describe the wealth that they have that they're spending on sports, it's. It's a bottomless pit of money. It, it will never end. They they couldn't spend it if they wanted to. Couldn't spend it. Two and a half year contract worth
3: five hundred million. The euro and the dollar are basically the same right now, I think. So two hundred million euros a year. It's better than a fire. As, as we football keep coach. driving,
2: they'll keep having money. Yeah. That We want to get on a bike, under the sand point.
3: A, uh, seems to be a good thing.
2: Yes yeah, doing all right,
3: yes uh i anyway, I just I thought that was that was interesting. I mean, are people still going to watch the World Cup that live in the United States? The numbers will still be quite good, yes, yeah. not as good yeah,
2: I think so, obviously as if the right. u s were playing yeah, right, but you gotta to base that off of either I mean, they've only gotten further than this like what once, so and that was before streaming and everything else so.
4: Oh, it'll do well. I mean, don't don't forget, we are oh, yeah, a melting pot. I mean, one of the beautiful things about yeah. this country is uh, you're all welcome, and so we got people yeah, from I mean, all I, over the world. Here. I watched
2: the two. I watched two games today. So, yeah. Okay. Uh,
3: somebody points out that it hasn't been just quarterbacks in recent years. You had um, Derrick Henry win from Alabama. I guess he was the last running back to win it, right?
2: I believe that is correct
3: and then Devonte Smith a couple
2: of years ago who just so had That's 2 out of 10. 2 of the so, last so eight, 8 of the last ten back. winners have been Four quarterbacks. 12. Yes, 10 of the la- and 10 of the last 12 have been quarterbacks. Okay. And the two players that weren't quarterbacks came from where? They both came from Alabama. The best team Can you pick a? Going back further, it's three of the last twenty-two have not been quarterbacks. So, 19 out of the last twenty-two winners. When is have the been
3: last time? And I think I know the answer to this. You had a winner from an average team. It's got to be Baylor, right?
2: <sighs> when when okay, RG three won of,
3: it, wasn't that an eight-win Baylor team?
2: I, don't know, I think they were ten and three. You the, argue the that Manziel's A and M teams weren't elite. Well, they went ten and they went eleven and two the year he won it. The answer is surprising. It's Tim Tebow. His 07 Florida team went eight and five. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. That was between the two national titles. Hmm. Me,
3: Marty and Oxford asks, sure right. would Quinton Judkins, by the numbers, not even be talked about. His numbers so are I'm actually looked. fairly comparable to Blake Corum at Michigan.
2: Yeah, I looked, because I saw that text. Judkins is the seventh leading rusher in the country this year. Corum is eighth, but Corum missed the game. He didn't play in the Ohio State game. Or the... Uh, Big Ten championship game. So he and Corum's be ahead. numbers are. B. John Robinson is ahead of him, but yeah. Jenkins' numbers are. I mean, the, what what hurts Jenkins and it hurts is a strong term here. He would need like two or three more. T- like you need to for a running back, you need to be in that twenty touchdown zone.
4: Well, mm-hmm. well, and his his team can't um lose in Fayetteville and then
2: lose to Mississippi State to fall to eight and four. I that's mean, true. that's that's part of it. But their yeah. numbers are. He did he did his part in Fayetteville. Yeah. So Florida in two thousand seven was nine and four. So that's a four loss Florida team that has a Heisman winner.
3: Quinshawn Judkins, fourteen hundred and seventy-six yards, six yards per carry, sixteen touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. So in terms of all purpose yards, he was at about almost sixteen hundred with seventeen touchdowns. Great numbers. Not good enough to win it as a running back, though. You you got to be at like eighteen hundred to two thousand yards, twenty two touchdowns, and another numbers. couple hundred yards receiving with two or three touchdowns there. I, and and not that's be what we're freshman. talking about. Like you
2: need some name ID. You idea. can have you can have some you know great numbers as a running back, and you don't even get any consideration. You can have what are I mean they're not that impressive numbers as a quarterback, but your win loss record gets you there.
3: So, Derrick Henry, 2015 stats. Derrick Henry at Alabama. In 2015, he had oh geez, 395 carries for 2,219 yards, an average of 5.6 yards per carry, 28 touchdowns on the ground, and he had 11 catches for 91 yards. So two thousand three hundred ten yards from scrimmage and twenty-eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That's how you win it as a running back.
2: Yeah. Three hundred ninety-five carries. Der- wow. You ever seen Derrick Henry's uh, high school rushing numbers? They're good. <laughs> They're something to behold. They are, are not not bad. His senior year of high school. I mean, this is high school. He only played thirteen games. He carried the ball four hundred and sixty-two times.
3: Let me ask. So, for over two years now, Stetson Bennett the fourth has been a bit of a punching bag, kind of everywhere. Borky was a big, you know, Georgia quarterback, law firm guy. Country Club Bennett the
4: fourth. Country guy. Club the fourth.
3: Yeah, you know, that 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 was how Borky went with it for a long time. You guys were talking about at the beginning of this season, who would be better to be starting at Georgia because clearly there's somebody more talented than Stetson Bennett. I think. I think we had those conversations because we always went back to the Justin Fields-Jake Fromm deal. Won a national championship, has his team positioned to win another national championship, and if they do it, they will go 15-0. and and he will be twenty-nine and one as a starter over two seasons. When is it enough with Stetson Bennett? Has he done enough? Done enough for what? I, I, I don't. I don't even know for what exactly. He's it's a, a Heisman for... finalist. I understand that, but for detractors to go. We talked about it all this offseason. Georgia fans wanted somebody other than Stetson Bennett to be their starting quarterback. He had a chip on his shoulder when he showed up at media days because people kept asking him, do you feel like you're being disrespected, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When is it enough? When has Stetson Bennett accomplished enough on the field? Because we've seen Georgia with far more talented quarterbacks, right? David Green, Matt Stafford, Justin Fee, uh, he transferred out. I mean, Jake Fromm, I guess, maybe is comparable. But none of those guys won a national championship. And there was, seems like there was a joke about 41 years, 41 years, 41 years. It's only been 11 months and now they're about to do it in back to back. Now they might get upset. So, so you know what I'm asking? Like the big thing, even among Georgia fans, when is it enough? Has Stetson Bennett completely won you over
4: or are we still just, ah, he's a fine quarterback on a good team. I mean, if you kind of look at the numbers, he is kind of—he's AJ
2: McCarron. That's what he is. I mean, what, what what do you want me to win over? Good quarterback on a good team is. Yeah, that's what he is. He's not a—he's not a guy that I just look at. I mean, I could be wrong. He's not a guy that I just look at and go, oh, yeah. When he gets to the next level, going to just keep on rolling like this. I mean, he's—he's he's a good player surrounded by great players one of the how many quarterbacks in the SEC last
4: year would have won all their games with a historically all time dominating defense also on their sideline?
3: There there probably are multiple, right? But I guess the point that I'm making is now Georgia might have taken it one step farther than it was previously, but it's not like Georgia has been bereft of talent for the last forty years. It's been a loaded roster, even for all of Mark Rick's tenure. Stetson Bennett's the one that's gotten it done.
0: It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson, co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour and friend here on Sports Talk Mississippi. Congratulations, man. Golden Eagles are going bowling.
5: Yeah, it's pretty exciting. First time since 2019. And, uh, you know, when I played and the guys before me, it was a regular occasion. So, uh, yeah, pretty, it's kind of a challenge for Will Hall and his staff. He's talking about today, they got to recruit and prep for bowl at the same time, but it's a good problem to have.
3: You know, sometimes you answer questions you already know the answer to, but that's all right. I'm going to do it. What's your favorite bowl memory? Did we lose Will?
5: Richard, ask it again. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, I said sometimes I ask questions that I already know the answer to. It's probably not a great interviewing skill, but uh, would you tell us about your favorite bowl memory?
5: It was actually in a loss. Um, I was the 2003 offensive MVP in the Liberty Bowl. As a punter. uh, As the punter. I think Rick Cleveland called that a sarcastic vote from the media. Uh, that was that was when de- um, Urban Meyer was head coach, Alex Smith was a quarterback at Utah, Kyle Whittingham was the DC. I punted nine times that game, and uh I got a, a trophy about it's probably bigger than what they handed out in the rock last last week. Uh golden football at top. And that that whole week though, I mean, we stayed at the Peabody after winning a conference championship. It wasn't just, you know, some individual award, but uh, that was a real, real awesome year. We were three and three along the way, and and won six in a row on the way to a conference championship. So just being in Memphis, uh, because that's what you wanted to do as a Southern Miss football player then was to win the conference playing Liberty Bowl. Let's talk
3: about where Southern, Southern Miss was and where they are now. Being six and six is that's not the destination, right? That's that's the next stop on the journey. Last year was so difficult, and there were the two wins, and we talked about a little bit of momentum going into the off season. Southern Miss was active in the transfer portal, kind of rebuilt the roster, uh, still unsettled at quarterback throughout the course of this season, and yet managed to get to bowl eligibility, headed to Mobile and uh, playing in the Lending Tree Bowl against a 5 and 7 Rice team. Great opportunity to get that seventh win and, and kind of have this be the, the next check mark, right, in terms of, of moving forward and growing the program
5: yeah we, we talked to will hall yesterday and, and that's kind of how he put it uh, you got the opportunity to have a winning season in year two uh, which doesn't happen a lot and you look at what they were able to accomplish and and uh, you know without steady quarterback play or regular quarterback play and i mean this is a team again i mean five points uh, from being eight and four and if you're if you're seven and five or eight and four in year two without a, a consistent starting quarterback i mean i think you're thrilled uh, you look at, you know, who this team beat. They beat uh, the team that's going to play in the Cotton Bowl. They played two 11-win teams. Um, they lost to a 10-win team uh, late in, in South Alabama. They had Coastal on the ropes for a lot of the game. And and so I think, uh, again, Southern Miss fans were kind of negative towards it because they felt like they should have won more than six. Yeah. But when you, you zoom out and you kind of look at it, you say, man, you know, coming in uh, December of, of 2020, when Will Hall was introduced in Reed Green Coliseum, you, you win three the first year, uh, and and, I, and then you double it, you would take it. And and he keeps referring to it, but I think people need to understand it. Jeremy McLean was on the Eagle Hour today and really said the same thing. I think a lot of people realize, scholarship and talent-wise, where this roster was at at the end of the 2020 season. So what about quarterback going forward? Right, I
3: mean, there's there's some decisions that have got to be made. Yeah, you know, there's been some unfortunate luck, bad luck, in terms of health at that position, uh, especially with, with Ty Keyes, thinking he was going to be the guy. It was, what, three different starters, three or four different starters this year. Three?
5: Yeah, Lang played some in some of those middle games. I don't think he started, but, yeah, you got three. And so um, I, I think you missed this last week. I was talking to Borkey and Trey Trello actually went through senior day. He technically Mm -hmm. has one year left. Dude's working on his doctorate. um, And so it's kind of yet to be unseen whether he will come back or not. Um, They did get a a commitment to transfer from Holman Edwards, who was uh, the backup at Houston. He's a Mississippi guy, played at French Camp Academy, and then two years at East Central. Um, I don't know necessarily if he would challenge for a starting job immediately, but, I mean, they had great things to say for him out at Houston. Um, I know they're going to be more active uh, in the portal than just that. Um, So – you just gotta wonder how that affects um, Tykees and Zach Wilkie. Uh, you would think, as of right now, I mean, both those guys are on the roster, and, and Tykees actually, you know, put out a tweet a couple of days ago, just kind of saying that um, you know he's he's going to rebound from this energy injury and, and come back harder next year. So you, so you like that, and I think it's I mean I think it's wide open competition. You bring in you got to bring in you know a couple more guys or, or maybe one more guy uh, if if Lowe's not going to return. So what
3: about this matchup with Rice? Uh, I mentioned this thing. Five and seven, they get in because of, of APR. They have the highest-ranked APR, and there was one slot available. Uh, lost their last three games. One of those, there was kind of like a flu. Uh, that may have been Charlotte, where they had a bunch of guys that had the flu. Look, I mean, th- there's some decent wins, right? I mean, they, they they beat Louisiana in week three. They beat UAB. That's a bowl team. They beat Louisiana Tech. They, they beat UTEP. But there's some bad losses, and especially down the stretch. I mean, they get beat 45-10 by Western Kentucky, 41-7 by UTSA. It's two good teams, and then a close loss to North Texas to, to close it out. What do you make of Rice?
5: It's a tale of two seasons. They went four and two through the first six, two and four in, in the last. And I really thought that that Bloomgren would have turned it turned it by now. He hasn't had a winning season since he's been at Rice in year five, and People aren't familiar with that name. He was David Shaw's OC at Stanford uh, when when Andrew Luck and some of the, the their better years. Um, and so I thought he would he would turn it over by uh, now. But but last couple of times Southern Miss has played Rice. Rice blew Southern Miss out in the Rock two years ago, and uh, and then nipped them last year, twenty four nineteen, and and that was actually the game that Tykes went out for the year in. So um, you you feel like this is a Rice team that although they played tight uh north texas uh who had a winning season this year i mean they they kind of ended the season on a downswing um something that that will hall told us yesterday was he felt like in the monroe game was the first time that he had really been able not to open up the playbook but in some ways to expand the playbook and i, I did ask him that i said coach you know did you feel like you were almost hamstrung you know with with the play calling ability because of know lack of personnel throughout the year and uh, he didn't answer it explicitly yes but he did say that he felt like at the end of the year that was the first game all year that they had really begun to do some of the offensive things uh, outside of the super back you know that they had they had tried to do so you, you feel good about that going into uh, a game against the team that's given up some points who's going to play quarterback for southern miss in the bowl game i would assume yeah trey Lowe. that's okay. who i would assume to play
3: i mean I, I assume that's the answer but i just know with You know, multiple guys that have played, I wasn't entirely sure that that's how it was going to be. Um, Excitement amongst other Miss fans? I mean, I I know you said a second ago some ups and downs and maybe some disappointment because of feeling like this team should be a little bit better, but you get to the end of the year and there is a bowl game and it is a very doable trip. It's an easy trip uh, to to Mobile if you want to see your team play in the postseason. What's people's level of excitement?
5: Yeah. I mean, the, the disappointment I think was probably towards the end of the season and not necessarily after the Monroe win. So yeah, I I called the uh, ticket office yesterday and and they've been getting, you know, just blown up left and right. Jeremy McLean with us today uh, feels really excited about it. And it's a good slot too. It's 445 in the afternoon. So you you don't, you don't have to get back after midnight. You're able to, to get back uh, fairly decent. You can go down and you know, enjoy uh, what Mobile has to offer during the day. So, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of excitement with this. The team's going to go down, I think it's next Tuesday is when they get there. So they'll have basically a, a full week of, of bowl events leading up. And Will Hall also excited about, uh, you know, the, the 71 freshmen and sophomore on this roster. They get to work with them more. So he was excited about that too with the bowl opportunity.
3: December 17th, that is a Saturday. 4.45 kickoff, Rice and Southern Miss and the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile. And uh, it's not at the old Lad People Stadium. It's at Hancock-Whitney Stadium, which is uh, a really nice setup. be a, uh, a great opportunity to see Southern Miss football one more time this year. Thanks, Luke. Hi,
5: right, Richard. You guys have a great day. See you.
3: Luke Johnson from the uh, Super Talk Eagle Hour. I guess we should have touched on basketball as well. My bad. Suffered their first loss. Yeah. it happens. It's a long year. Hard and there to go was undefeated. one. Say what? And then there was one. Oh, undefeated team in Mississippi. I think that's what you're uh, you're getting at, isn't it?
2: Yes. 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 I thought this might be what you were getting at. Uh, yeah, Coach Hans
4: has them rolling.
2: Are, are, are we gonna get to fans, fans.
3: Yeah, get the uh like the big sign that's like D and the picket fence? Like I mean this feels like a team
2: for, for defense yeah. signs in the Feels stand. like it's built for that sign. I'll see if I can make it happen.
3: Yep, we'll uh, we'll have to work on that. Who's joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau.
4: I know defense sign is a classic, but the people that go to sporting events and wear like gigantic hats or something are the biggest jerks in sports. There were so many Bucks fans last night with, like, gigantic things on their head. It's like somebody behind you paid for their seat, too, man. I guess if you're going to a game where nobody else is attending, it's okay. Or if you're sitting in the back.
3: Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back.
5: Let the broadcasting of the Disturbed continue.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk, Mississippi. From Coney Island to the Sunset Strip, somebody's gonna make a happy trip tonight while the moon is bright. I have a bag of crazy toys. To get the is up
3: Matchup around. predictor from ESPN, by the way, gives Southern Miss a 66% chance to win against Rice in the Lending Tree Bowl. Golden Eagles are going to get it done, right?
2: Are we feeling confident so. about that? Yes. That will be my prediction, anyway. Okay. Then you take those guys fishing.
4: When Luke said, you know, take. In what Mobile has to offer, my first thought was, then you go fishing in the bay?" And get, well, you got to get a lot. I guess it's a big football team. It's eighty-five guys plus walk-ons and coaches. But it's a big boat. You got to get a few dozen, you know, guys with a flatboat or something and take them out in the bay. And if you want to do Mobile right, that's where you start. Go tour the battleship, also. Yeah.
2: You guys ever done that? Let them fish off of that. Plenty of room. There is plenty of room. What what is it
4: called when all of the uh, the like the sea life like gathers along the shores of the Mobile Bay? Is it Jubilee? Is that what they call it? Where the people that have homes on the water can just walk down and just grab shrimp and crabs out of the water with their bare hands because they all move up to the shore. Somebody out there listening knows what I'm talking about. That happens in the Mobile Bay, where all of the all the sea creatures like just like bunch up on, on shore, basically, and people can just go down and grab whatever they want. I think it's called Jubilee, but I'm not sure. Jubilee is the name used locally for a natural
3: phenomenon that occurs sporadically on the shores of Mobile Bay. Uh, during Jubilee, many species of crab and shrimp, as well as flounder, eels, and other uh, demersal uh, fish will leave deep waters and swarm in large numbers and very high density in a specific, shallower coastal area of the bay. All right.
4: Yeah, people, I was not aware. People just take nets and just scoop them up out of the water. Just get enough and freeze it for the rest of the year? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've never been myself, but that just sounds incredible. I think you should check that out and report back to us, Borky.
2: That, that sounds awesome. I think you're being flippant, but so I would you, love to do that. You see what just happened. But no, he, by him telling you to do that, now you don't have to take personal days off. Richard told me to go, so I went to Mobile for a week. For a week? Oh, really? Caught fish. Yeah. I don't know how long.
3: Uh, Debbie in Ocean enough Springs fish for all of us. says that it happens all along the coast. But he said it's called an oil spill.
4: No, it, it, this is different.
3: Uh, Flounder and crabs Debbie says uh, That's what they get I guess in Ocean Springs Ashley from Amory Says it's awesome Got to experience one And brought home About 60 pounds of flounder Wow So yeah Jubilee That's good eating
4: Right there too
3: Big Shack Bully And Biloxi said Red Tide I don't
4: think That's the same thing Is it? No Red Tide Is a deadly It's not uh, yeah,
3: that's You a don't bad want thing.
4: red
2: tide Algae Yeah You also don't want Crimson Tide no, no, you don't. Nobody wants that. We've
3: uh, we've gotten enough of that. We've gotten plenty of it, though not this year. Yeah. David and so, in Indianola said you Ricky and I, Matthews you can and tell I did. us. Yeah, yeah. Um, David and in Indianola says Ricky Matthews can tell us more about it. Okay, we should maybe talk to Ricky about it one day. Called Jubilee happens in on the Mississippi Gulf Coast as well. Good. I learned something today. When does it happen?
4: I I think it's not like a specific time. It's it's something that, as I understand it, just
2: kind of happens. So, like, can you forecast it where you're like, okay, we're a couple weeks out from this happening? Can't even forecast rain. You think we can forecast when animals are going to come to shore? (laughs) I don't know. That's what I'm asking. I went surf
4: fishing in Ocean Springs once, and all I did for two hours was watch dolphins swim by and eat the fish I was trying to catch. So... It was cool watching them. Didn't catch a thing, though. Did
3: you try and switch over and catch a dolphin? Well, they're smarter than that. Yeah.
4: They are. <laughs> Offensive fun. We were swam with a dolphin before. Oh, on our honeymoon, it was incredible. So cool. The power. I mean, you. Oh, you, man, they're so strong. God. I mean, I'm, I'm 200 pounds. Back then, I was more like 220. And this juvenile, like I didn't even have a full adult. It was like a subadult dolphin, just whipped me around this this manufactured bay they had there. It was incredible. Like I was a toddler.
3: Yeah. Did
4: he throw you out of the water? No, but they. <laughs> I was too big for them to do the nose on the feet thing. <laughs> she said you it very. Read- where- very At your nicely. current playing weight, could you do it? I still don't think so. So they were very selective. But when I asked if I could do it, she, in her Jamaican accent, I'm not going to repeat it, she was basically like, no, mom. Uh, we, we, she, she pointed to it like a young girl and was like, we have to make it more for them. And I was like, it's okay. Just tell me I'm too big. It's fine. Yep. Yep. No fatty, you can't do it. Yeah, that would have that would have worked as well.
3: Monday Hurts Night to Football. I was going to tell you. Monday night football was something last night. I know you guys don't want to, but we got to go there. Hello, darkness, my old friend. And we'll do it when we come back, Mr. Disturbed. Sports Talk (sighs) Mississippi.
0: Mississippi, here's more. (laughs) Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: Four o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Uh, Haydad, I, I did today what you did yesterday, Roll it in shorts. Okay. I mean, it felt like golf, so golf you, weather I'm, today. I mean, it was 73 leg, degrees I when I came in the studio. I'm wearing shorts. Crazy. Crazy time. Yeah. After it was cold and rainy yesterday, just gray and overcast and warm and humid today. Uh, Such is life in the Magnolia State in the month of December. Point being, you catch one of these 70-degree days, great idea to get out on the golf course. Dancing Rabbit might be the place to do it. A couple of 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Another thing you can do is join us on the Seaspire text line at 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Seaspire country. Check them out. Seaspire.com slash business. Monday night football. The New Orleans Saints went into last night's game with a chance. Slight chance, but a chance nonetheless.
4: No, more than a slight. They would have been tied in wins in their division. I was
3: going to say a slight chance or a chance to really get back into the playoff run.
4: They would have been, what, tied for second in the division? But tie, but would have been tied in wins. They would have had five wins. They just haven't had their bye yet. Okay. Okay. So, right so was, back with in the win, the they that, had a chance. Yeah.
3: And with three minutes and eh, three thirty left in the game, they had a thirteen point lead. They were up sixteen to three. Tom Brady looked like he would have rather been anywhere than Raymond James Stadium. The first real emotion you saw from Tom Brady was when his coach, Todd Bowles, sent the punt team on on 4th and 10 with five minutes, six minutes to go in the ballgame. And he looked kind of mad about that. And then the defense got a stop. And Tom Brady came back onto the field and drove his team down for a touchdown. 16-10. to 10. And then you give it back to New Orleans. And there's... um. Exactly how much time? Do you, do you guys remember specifically how much time was left? Too much. It was, it was right at three minutes. Wait. And the Saints ran three plays for minus seven yards because there was a sack mixed in. And they did not cause Tampa Bay to use its three remaining timeouts. And they took 31 seconds off the clock and punted the ball back To Tom Brady. I mean, they didn't actually punt it to Tom Brady. They punted it back to the Buccaneers to give Tom Brady another chance. And Tom Brady went from somewhere in the realm of disinterested to fully engaged and doing Tom Brady things. For just the second time in his career, he brought his team back from a 13 or more point deficit in the fourth quarter. You remember the other one?
2: The Super Bowl. Yes.
3: Yes, it was the Super Bowl. I,
2: I, I quite I remember that one a lot more
3: fondly. Yes, I I thought you might. Stat Eleven number- plays, sixty three yards, two minutes and twenty six seconds, three seconds left on the clock when they scored a touchdown. Actually scored a touchdown a couple of plays earlier, but had it called back because of yet another holding call. Whoo.
4: Number seventy six for Tampa Bay. I don't know how much longer that guy's gonna have a job. Most penalized offensive lineman in the league. Player. I think most penalized player overall in the league. What was it 31 holding since 2016 or something like that? I mean, just
3: crazy. Um,
2: I could do that.
3: 17-16, the final. Tampa Bay comes from behind and win. And so there are two ways to look at this, right? One way is, oh, wow, we got to see Tom Brady do what Tom Brady does. And in that come-from-behind victory, he surpassed Peyton Manning for the most fourth-quarter comeback victory since the league merger in 1970. Was it 44, I think it was? He was? They were tied at 43. And that's one way to look at it. If you give Tom Brady a chance, look out, he'll, he'll take advantage. But there's another way to look at this. And it ain't a pretty way if you're a Saints fan. The New Orleans Saints gave that football game away. As bad as they have been, they had a chance to get back in the race for the playoffs. Gave it away. So, Terrible clock management. Terrible play calling. Yes
2: like I, I you know when you look when you if you really want to like dig in and really analyze the saints i mean from a numbers perspective they absolutely suck this team just sucks they are putrid i can't stand to watch them i won't watch another down this year i will disconnect and i would you know say hey well, at least you know you're going to be terrible I'll get a great draft nope no first rounder for the saints the Eagles are enjoying the fruits of that reward. It's going to be a long off in New Orleans as they try to figure out what they're going to do going forward.
4: In fairness, Olave is worth that. He's good. He's very good. Uh, you just you, you, you got to hope beyond hope that Sean Payton gets a job this year, so you can get picks back. You, you need to you need to be able to draft in the first round this year. You, I know you, what job I'd like him back. to get back. Well, yeah. I know true. what
2: job I'd like him to have.
4: Stat of the day number We're one, back. the Saints are the first team since 2002, so 20 years, and only the second team ever, to have third and one in plus territory, so opponent's territory, with six or fewer minutes left in the fourth quarter, up by nine points or more, and lose. The only other time that has happened is the Cowboys, ironically, blew a lead to the 49ers in 2002, and this one was worse uh, than the Cowboys. The, the, the Saints, they play losing football. And I don't mean they just lose games. I mean, they, they do things that lead to losing, like Mark Ingram catching a swing pass in the fourth quarter when you need first downs and stepping out of bounds one yard short of the first down marker when nobody was there to tackle him. That's losing football. Getting a 12-man-in-the-huddle penalty in a crucial drive. That's losing football. Dropping a sure touchdown pass before the half. Losing football. Deciding on third and one to throw a pass instead of running the football, costing 40 seconds off the clock for Tampa and Tom Brady, or at least costing them a timeout. Losing football. And the most critical drive of the game You have a first down run. For some reason, they choose to throw it on second down. Again, Tampa, the the clock is against Tampa. You want them to use timeouts. You do have a lead. You decide to throw the ball on this weird little play action thing. When Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave are on the sidelines, the only wide receiver in the pattern when Andy Dalton got sacked was a guy that you brought up from the practice squad yesterday morning. And then, oh, by the way, as Tampa's driving, and it kind of feels like you know they're going to score, you bring your timeouts home with you, I guess. You you trade them for points at the end of the game. Uh, Don't you want to try to give yourself a chance to go win? Instead, you let them bleed the clock down and take three shots at the end zone, and guess what? Tom Brady's going to complete one of those. They are a very poorly coached football team in the league that requires such precision. They get so much wrong. Clock management, game management. Honestly, Dalton was pretty great last night. Quarterback plays not their problem, which is so bizarre. But clock management, game management, they make mistakes all the time, every week, and nothing changes. You have a veteran running out of bounds one yard short of a first down with the game on the line. Little things like that. Is the difference between winning and losing in the nfl you can't get a you, you can't get away with that in that league and win and yet they do it constantly you can't go into year two you can't you have to cut bait at the end of the season and move on you tried continuity it didn't you work. say you can't but will they gail basketball and in football are different but the basketball team she owns had a similar situation they bring in a coach Stunk almost right away. And she cut bait after one year. Didn't give him a second year. Knew it wasn't working. Fired him. We have precedent that says she's willing to do that. We'll see.
3: Andy Dalton last night, 20 of 28, 229 yards, one touchdown, no pick, sacked twice. Three big drops. There were some big drops. You're right. None bigger than the, uh, well, that was a tough catch for Taysom Hill at the end. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here comes
0: more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Frosty the Snowman Was a jolly, happy soul With a corncob pipe and a button nose And two eyes made out of coal Frosty the Snowman There's a fairy tale, they say. He was made of snow, but the children know how it came to life one day. There must have been some
2: magic in that old top hat they found. Oh, and they placed it on his head. We got coaching news all over
3: the place today. UNLV is hiring Arkansas defensive coordinator Barry Odom to be their next head coach. The rumor of Ed Ogeron being in the running for that job appeared to be just that. I I don't know. Maybe there was a conversation at some point, but Ed Ogeron is not going to be a head coach at UNLV. Barry Odom is. Barry Odom was very much in the mix for the Tulsa job also, but uh, Tulsa went a different direction with that. And Wesley McGriff is joining the Auburn staff. Do we do we know if this is
4: as defensive coordinator? It is reportedly not, but my theory of Hugh Free sat down in his office and Googled former Ole Miss assistant coaches and current Ole Miss assistant coaches to build his staff holds true. Although he couldn't reportedly get Derek Nix. Maybe he makes another run, but offered him uh, an upgrade in title. Still couldn't get him, so... He's going to get an offensive
3: coordinator title, but not play-calling duties, as Hugh Freeze is likely to do that himself, even though in his press conference he said he might consider
4: giving that up. He also said in his press conference that his phone's ringing off the hook with people wanting to join his staff, but really just doesn't really look like he's having as easy of a time as it sounded. Coach Prime's uh, staff is better than his. There's your take of the day. Crime Dog was
3: a secondary coach and co-defensive coordinator at Louisville this past season. He worked alongside Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. He coached at Auburn in 2019 and 2020, and was at Florida in 2021. And so he is now back on
2: the plains. I remember McGriff at Ole Miss; those were good days. Good days. Kind if of you depends were. on your perspective. <laughs> it depends. It's 100% depends on your perspective. I will say
3: this. Wesley McGriff, all time good guy. I mean, super guy. But not an all time great defensive coordinator. Probably fine as a position coach, good recruiter. Not an all time great
2: defensive coordinator. Well, he did the. uh... He did the smart thing where he left Auburn as the secondary coach, went to Ole Miss for a couple years as defensive coordinator, made a few million, and then went right back to Auburn as their secondary coach like he never left. That's smart working. Morky, did your eyes get big for the same reason my eyes got big just a second ago? Yep. What happened? What I missed?
4: Got to take a pause on football for a second. It appears
2: Aaron Judge is headed to the bay. Is he now? John, uh, John Heyman reporting that. John is pretty good. It's a, it does say arson judge, though. So maybe that's something different. I don't know. Well, he corrected I don't know it. if there's a judge who just who, works entirely on arson cases who's getting a job in San Francisco. But, uh, yeah, he's I doing was thinking this, uh, about this the other day. Arson judge.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gosh. Clearly, a business decision. He's going to get a boatload of money but 400 yeah. 450 500 million I don't know we'll see what the details of the uh, of the contract are That is a much harder stadium in which to hit home runs
4: Then you settle for doubles I'll <laughs> so settle for doubles not if you're juiced yeah. up like Barry
3: Yeah he hit a hey. bunch there Hey
2: Somebody hmm. asked for that opinion the the, the Cove is waiting yeah but anyway started and my
4: eyes lit up because no. i mean,
2: just well my eyes lit up first i started doing the whole you know like thing and, and then i saw borky go and i was like okay he must have seen it too yeah and so richard at richard's social media savvy he would have seen it tomorrow but it's all right hey oh <laughs> uh, john good. cohen would see it on john cohen would see it on friday and then we'd all be all good
4: I wish I could share the joke that I sent you about the 58-point checklist.
2: Hey, Dad? That was a great uh, joke. I wish I could share I that. I sent it to air. my friends. I have a group of friends who I, I'll just come out and tell you, they hate you. They're just like, Borky is just the worst old Miss guy on the world. Don't, I try to tell them that you're not. I defend you. But they, they have their own beliefs. But when I, I sent them that, and they were like, now that's funny. <laughs> Maybe he's not that bad. Those guys sound like jerks. What have I done? Well the they are. That's why they're my friends. Uh, we all we all group together. That just ruined my day. Unbelievable. Do they hate me as much as uh, they I'm hate sorry. Borky? Uh ten times worse.
4: Oh really? Oh, well, okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. yeah.
4: That's fine.
2: But I always defend y'all. I defend y'all. Always? You got a friend in me. Honest, yeah. You got a friend in me. Exactly.
3: You got it. Uh, yeah, so Aaron Judge to the San Francisco Giants. All right. It's great news.
4: Yeah. It's, uh, it's good that uh, somebody that is totally clean and has never cheated in any way is going to be the home run king of San Francisco.
2: Because, uh, anyway. Um, you know what? If he hits 74 home runs, I'll be more than happy to celebrate that guy. Oh, no doubt.
4: Um, but back to the, the original I I guess- thing here. Don't you feel like there might be some cracks in the Arkansas Foundation? Not because Odom's leaving. He's taking a head coach job. If you want to be a head coach, you go take head coach jobs. But there's been, and that's all it is, and nobody knows or is willing to say for sure, but there's been rumor, if you will, that he has not seen eye-to-eye with his coordinators this season. And it's it's been an internal rift, and you've had this weird deal with players quitting. Oh no!
3: Sorry to interrupt. John Heyman tweets: Giants say they have not heard on Aaron Judge. My apologies for jumping the gun.
4: uh Oh, mm. source off. Damn you, John Heyman. Well, it's a source off with the with one guy. He's
2: mm-hmm. well, one of the Giants writers I follow. I follow is also saying that that's the buzz. Anyway, we'll see. Mm.
3: Okay, sorry, Borky. Cracks in the Arkansas foundation. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it, it's
2: it, funny that we have this Yankees Giants thing going too. It's it, this is that's the best part of all places. Um, no, no. I mean, they, sports they, talk show in Mississippi has a Giants fan and a Yankees fan going head to head. It feels weird to say because of how the Ole Miss game went,
4: at least for the first three quarters or two and a half quarters. But uh, weren't a good team this year. Lost at home to Liberty. Uh, kind of not competitive in most of their SEC games. Um, and then you have the weird deal with players quitting the team, but they really didn't quit the team, and now you've got guys hitting the portal again, and you've got rumors of internal strife with head coach and coordinators, and now one of them's gone, and, and you got to replace a, what most people think is a really good one. And it just it feels... Like, this is a tipping point, one way or the other. Either he's going to calm all this down, they're going to settle down, be really good next year, make a good hire, and it'll be okay, or this should have been our first sign of, okay, that's the day we knew this wasn't going to work long term. You know what I mean? It's a tipping point here. But you don't think that's
3: specifically related to Barry Odom? No, I don't. Because it always felt like Barry Odom was, at some point, going to get another opportunity as a head coach. He was 25-25 and 25 in, what, four seasons at Missouri?
5: Yeah.
3: he He was fine. Missouri probably, I mean, there was apathy around the program, might have let him go a little sooner than they should have, and did a good job with that Arkansas defense in the two years that he was there, at least for the most part. Yeah, you know, They lost a ton, 2 twofold, right? One yeah. transfer portal a year ago, but also injury. And yet they still had some, you know, they had a great pickup in Drew Sanders, who, by the way, is not playing in the Liberty Bowl, has opted out to get ready for the NFL draft. So, more than Barry Odom, you think, Borky?
4: Yeah, it, it... And again, it's all speculative, right? The only thing you gather is you're trying to connect dots. It may not be there. I mean, maybe everything's perfectly and totally fine, but it doesn't appear that way. And look, six and six isn't good enough. You got to win. I mean, Arkansas is an interesting job because I think they value themselves more than their results say that they are. But the investment into that program. 6-6 six and six isn't acceptable, and and that has to change quick or else no matter how much they love you and no matter how big that bronze uh, hog statue on your lakefront house is, they're not going to accept those results, nor should they. I get a message from a buddy that says, Why is everybody still so
3: high on Barry Odom? Defense has been terrible, and rumors were that his players hated him. I don't know. But he is headed to UNLV, and now Sam Pittman's got to hire a new defensive coordinator. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. We've got first-team all-SEC squads that are out, and there is repre- uh, representation for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We'll be right back. Uh,
4: what do they want? Exciting news. Brace yourself.
0: More Sports Talk Mississippi now. Now. So
3: yesterday we got the Associated Press all-conference teams for the SEC. Today the league coaches with their uh, ballots out. Twelve SEC schools placed a member on the 2022 All-SEC football first team. First and second teams announced earlier today. First team All-SEC offense, quarterback Hendon Hooker. Running backs, Quinshawn Judkins and Devin A-Chain. Quick pause there. You good with A-Chain being first team as opposed to Raheem Sanders from Arkansas? Rocket Sanders?
2: Yeah. Either way. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. First team
3: wide receivers? You certainly can guess one of them, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. The other was Antoine Wells from South Carolina. Brock Bowers, the f- Say again. Juice.
4: Juice Wells. Yeah, not yeah. the dog. I had, to, I had to do a double take, too. I was like, who? Oh, Juice Wells. Yeah. That's right. But he's yeah. he's got that dog in him, so I'll stop.
3: <laughs> Brock Bowers from Georgia was the tight end. The offensive lineman. Osiris Torrance from Florida. Warren McClendon from Georgia. Darnell Wright, Tennessee. Emil Echior Jr. from Alabama. And the center was Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. The offensive all-purpose player, first team, Devin H. Chain from AM. First team defense. Defensive lineman, Jalen Carter, Georgia, Derek Hall, Auburn, VJ, ojalari LSU, Byron Young, Tennessee. How would you like to have all four of those guys on one team? Whew. Pretty good. Linebackers, Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama. Drew Sanders from Arkansas, and Henry To'o To'o from Alabama. Question here.
2: Drew Sanders. Go ahead.
3: Should Harold Perkins have been a first-team All-SEC linebacker in front of perhaps To'o
2: Yes. You can certainly make a uh, a very strong case for that, yes.
3: And To'o was good this year, and no question mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. LSU may have hurt... Perkins to some degree in the fact that they didn't play him until at much, until about the halfway point of the season. That old Miss game was the coming yes. out party for Harold Perkins. Yeah. So good. Uh, defensive backfield, Emmanuel Forbes, Mississippi State, Chris Smith, Georgia, Kool-Aid, McKinstry, Alabama, Jordan Battle, Alabama. Was this Alabama defense worthy of Two defensive backs on the first-team all-conference squad.
2: It was their weakest position group. If you had put McLaughlin in there, um, Keely Ringo in there, I wouldn't have argued too hard against you. Yeah.
3: Special teams. The place kicker was Jack Podlesny from Georgia. Kai Krueger from South Carolina was the punter. The return specialist, Tulu Griffin from Mississippi State. And then they had a tie for kickoff specialist, Jake Bates and Jack Pudlesney. Long snapper came from Vanderbilt. Snuck one in there. Yep. Wesley <laughs> Schelling. How do you become an all-SEC long snapper?
4: You snap the you heck out of up. the ball.
3: Yeah, but I mean... Weren't there a bunch of long snappers that didn't have a single errant snap
4: this year?
2: I mean, there's a difference between errant and good. Apparently, uh, Wesley Schelling is there's a, a sniper. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe... Uh, I mean, you could have a snap that's much. mishandled, but the holder does a good job getting it down, and, you know... I'm sure they have... You know they have analytics to track that. Second-team offense. Stetson Bennett, quarterback... Running
3: backs, Raheem Sanders from Arkansas, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. The wide receivers, three of them. Lad McConkey from Georgia, and then a tie for uh, the other, Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, Dominic Lovett from Missouri.
2: Second so team who voted tight end on this, receiver. by the way?
3: Say again? What was that,
2: Bork? You go first, Borky. We
4: both talked. Who voted on this? All 14 coaches in the SEC. Okay, so the coaches think that Hendon Hooker is a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett.
2: Hmm. Interesting Continue yeah. What well, I was going to say was That's Ole Miss' second leading receiver I feel like Malik Heath may have gotten snubbed here yeah, Maybe How about an
3: embarrassment of riches At tight end at Georgia When Brock Bowers first is the first team, team yeah. All-SEC tight end And Darnell Washington is the second team All-SEC tight end And you can't really argue with it No, like, well, Those are the top guys Darnell Washington is probably, well, not probably, he's definitely more physical, and he's more of an inline yeah. tight end, but can also hurt you in the passing game. And Brock Bowers is serviceable when he needs to block, but he is more of a modern hybrid tight end that can go all over the field and can hurt you in so many ways. Second team offensive line Nick Broker from Ole Miss, Javian Cohen from Alabama, Tyler Steen from Alabama, Javon Gwynn from South Carolina, Will Campbell, LSU. Cedric Van Pren is the center from Georgia. Jameer Gibbs, the all-purpose player. Second-team all-SEC defense.
2: Real quick. Yeah? Second-team offensive lineman Javion Cohen. He's in the transfer portal. He could be on your team next year. From Wait, who is? Oh, Javion Cohen from, from Alabama. Alabama.
4: Yeah, yeah. They had a, a very interesting number of guys that like played Hit the portal yesterday. Seven of them. Hmm. I mean, that's going to be. We'll talk about a situation possibly developing at, at Mississippi State later, but as of right now, there is one impact player, as of now, that could change, that has left Old Miss Mississippi State combined. Otherwise, when you read the names, you're like, wait, who? Those are guys that. Started games, played, played in the national championship game last year. I mean, like mm-hmm. players for Alabama it feels they're either you know chasing money or or something. But seven of them yesterday, that was interesting. Second team defense:
3: Isaiah McGuire, uh, Makai Wingo, Nazir Stackhouse, Tyrus Wheat, uh, Tyrus Wheat, of course, from Mississippi State. 2nd team linebackers also, Harold I'm uh,
2: sorry what also a linebacker but okay
3: well they kind of got him grouped weird on this on defense they've just got defensive line and then they've got all the names
2: they did so but I mean aren't they it's just weird like he plays in the three five he's an outside linebacker I don't know how he got in there as a defensive lineman yeah well, maybe, that, maybe
3: they went with three defensive linemen and four. Uh, whatever. I don't know. Um, they've got him listed as a defensive lineman. But whatever. Congratulations to Tyrus Weed. He was good. The yeah. linebackers are Harold Perkins, Bumper Poole, and Bookie Watson. Yeah. Defensive backs Antonio Johnson from A&M, Keely Ringo from Georgia, Keedron Smith from Kentucky, and Dwight McLaughlin from Arkansas. Kieran Smith was a nice pickup. Is he a
2: full-on defensive back? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a safety. Uh,
3: right? No, no. Who, who, am I? Who's the linebacker that transferred from Ole Miss to You're Kentucky? You're thinking, thinking Wes of Jock Jones. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Will Riker, the place kicker. Nick Constantino from AM as the punter. Kool-Aid McKinstry, the return specialist. Um. Uh, Oh, we get two long snappers on the second team: William Moat from Georgia and Hunter Rogers from South Carolina. They were tied for second team.
2: The SEC was stacked with long snappers this year. Yeah, as yeah. good as any conference in America.
4: I, I would love to ha- to have video footage of Nick Saban's SID asking him to decide who his first and second team All SEC long snappers should be.
2: <laughs> That's good. So, Hooker first team, Stetson Bennett second team, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, didn't make these teams.
0: I don't
3: have a problem with that based on his numbers, but I watched him play.
2: Yeah. Would you I have mean,
3: voted? You, you,
2: yeah. Well, let's look at it like this. Ask all 14 coaches who would you rather have on your team. Bryce Young or Stetson Bennett. And you let you get back to me with the guy who says Stetson Bennett. Even Kirby Smart would say Bryce Young, I think. Would he? I think so. Eh. I mean Tell he'd me give that- you the whole well Stetson's such an important part. He'd give you the spiel. But Bryce is so talented. I mean it. it He's the better quarterback.
3: But when you're naming an all-conference team, when their numbers are pretty similar and one led the SEC champions to a 13-0 and record and the other went 10-2, and doesn't that matter? Yeah, but those,
4: those two losses were really close, remember, so that changes everything, or it so should, I'm told. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Sports talk, it's, Mississippi. About, it's about
2: your numbers. It's not about your your team's winner win loss record. We'll be right back.
0: Or sports talk Mississippi now. Now.
3: Wrapping up the 4 o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. A reminder, Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Holly Jolly Holidays still rolling. Been going a couple of weeks now. Going to go all the way through January 2nd. Be sure to check out the ice skating rink. You can get the hours online at Oxford MS. visitoxfordms.com or follow along on all of their social media channels. It's supposed to be open every single day. Sometimes weather dictates otherwise. So uh, visit Oxford MS on on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter for all of the updates. We're going to to dive into the portal to start the 5 o'clock hour. And we're going to try to approach it from maybe a little bit different angle. There are like 800 guys that entered the portal yesterday. And so breaking down who's going where, a little premature. But we can look at it differently in terms of, all right, what's your shopping list look like if you are Mike Leach? And Mississippi State. What's your shopping list look like if you are Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss? Got a lot of, got a lot of shiny items on the shelves. A lot to choose from, but it's not like there's just a price tag on it and you've got a budget and you go, okay, I can buy this and buy this and buy this. It's, it's like an auction in a lot of ways and you are competing against other people who want to get the same shiny items. So we'll talk about what the wish list spirit of giving this time of year um, looks like for Mississippi State and for Ole Miss in the portal. Before we do that, though, as so we wrap up this 4 o'clock hour, hey, Dad, Borky mentioned it a second ago. So far in terms of impact players, for Ole Miss and Mississippi State combined, the biggest impact player out there that has put his name in the portal is Ra Thomas. You, you told us on Friday, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, he told Mississippi State what he wanted in terms of money. They're like, no thanks, good luck. And so he's out shopping also. Mm-hmm. He, he, he gets to pick where he goes, largely, see what the market looks like, what he's going to be able to get for himself, decide on where he's going. Georgia's in the mix, Auburn's in the mix, Tennessee's in the mix, Ole Miss may be in the mix as well. We'll see. We'll see where that all shakes out. Right. Who else should we be looking at for Mississippi State as a potential entrant into
2: the portal? Oof. Well, obviously, you know, I'm not hiding the big names here, but this will be a quick segment, though. Um, but obviously, there's going to be some guys go in that are just depth guys, and and I expect that. I expect you know, no eight, doubt, eight or nine guys there. But the big names that you need to watch for, and it's been talked about all day on message boards and a little bit here on social media, and I talked about it on Friday show, are are the running backs, Dylan Johnson and Javious Marks, and it's an opposite kind of situation from Ra Thomas. Ra Ra Thomas was an NIL situation. He, he he his the his demands were higher than State's willingness to, you know, meet. With Johnson and Marks, it's more about they just want to run the ball more. They're looking to make sure that their their final year at Mississippi State is going to set them up to be drafted into the NFL, and they feel like they need to carry the ball a little bit more. And I don't think they even need to carry the ball more than what they carried it at times this year. They just want to make sure that that commitment to the running game is there. And honestly, if you're a Mississippi State fan, you have to be on their side on this. Because State showed all year long that their most success comes when they run the football. When Marks and Johnson are getting double-digit carries, State wins almost every time. And, and that's, that's the way it worked, it worked this year. Marks, I feel pretty confident, will be back at Mississippi State. Johnson might go. The, the rumor is Oklahoma with him. And he might be headed to, uh, to the Big 12. But we'll see what happens. We should know something on both of those guys pretty quickly.
3: We got a message on the C Spire text line. You can send us one as well at 601-879-4395. It says, can Ra Ra go back to state if he doesn't get what he wants? I, I don't know how that situation was handled, right? I mean, they're, 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 there's the right way to handle it and the wrong way. And, you know, did you completely burn Based the bridge? Based off
2: of some of the comments he's made on Instagram after, since uh, he declared, I would say that bridge is probably burned. Okay. Would not expect to see Rod, Rod Thomas back at Mississippi State under any circumstances. And it's not like he's not going to have opportunities.
3: Now he may not. He may yeah. find out on the open I mean, market that he's not worth as much
2: as he thinks he's worth. True, but he has offers right now from Auburn, Tennessee, Georgia, Ole Miss, like you said. He he's got not only options, but what will appear on paper to be good options. The best yeah. passing team in the SEC is is the Tennessee Volunteers. They put defending national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs. Those are good spots to land.
3: Another question comes on the ceasefire text line. Will Zach Evans from Ole Miss declare for the draft? My assumption is yes. I would be surprised if he didn't, but I have not seen that officially anywhere yet. College football fix. That is how we will begin the 5 o'clock hour with you when we come back to the Pearl
2: River Resort Studios. It's
0: time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Five o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thank you for being with us, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us, won't you, on the Seaspire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do. Right here in Seaspire country. Check them out online at slash business. We're coming to you as always from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out in person. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find Genteel online at Genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Now, we're getting close to Christmas, and if you're trying to figure out what to get for that hard-to-buy-for guy or, yeah, I guess guy in your life, Genteel Apparel might just be the answer. You go to their website or you go to one of the retailers that carries Genteel Apparel across the state of Mississippi, you can find golf shirts, you can find pullovers, you can find vests, Borky Big Vest Guy. I still have a vest for you, Borky. I just forgot to send it when I sent the other stuff. Sorry about that. That's all right. Uh, you got pullovers, you got pants, you got shorts, outerwear, all kinds of stuff. And it's all fantastic at Genteel Apparel. I think we're we're three for three on the Genteel stuff. Hey, Dad's got his his super talk Genteel shirt on. I do. Borky's got the pullover going. Good stuff. Check them out online, genteelapparel.com. Let's do the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to BuyFordNow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. 45 straight years, going back all the way to 1977. That's how long F-Series has been the number one selling truck in America. Best drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So, in the spirit of the season of giving and receiving gifts kids making their lists, of what they're interested in for the holidays, you get to make a transfer portal wish list. I suppose more specifically, Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach have probably made, to some degree, transfer portal wish lists. Hey, let's start with Mississippi State. In terms of adding pieces,
2: what are you looking for? Well, if you look at the the way the the last few days have gone for Mississippi State, you know Jalen Green. You already knew he was out of eligibility. Emmanuel Forbes was declared for the draft. Now Colin Duncan and Jackie Matthews have both declared. So that's four of your five starters back there. So let's start in the secondary for Mississippi State. Obviously, they'd love to find another corner. Go ahead. Colin Duncan, Jackie Matthews gonna play in the bowl game. Jackie Matthews said yes. Colin Duncan's announcement didn't say one way or the other, so we'll have okay. to wait to find out on that. But, and, but Jackie Forbes Matthews yes. is not. Forbes is not playing. He's okay. out. He's gotcha. gotcha. out. So anyway, hey. uh, you'd like to find somebody to go alongside to Cameron Richardson there at the cornerback position, but you might feel good about Marcus Banks there or not. And you brought in a couple of transfer safeties last year in Jordan Morant and Hunter Washington, but you're going to have to go out and find a couple of guys there for sure. Also, defensively, I think they'd like to find a pass rusher. That, that's, you know, Tyrus Wheat, we talked about him. He's a linebacker, but state has not had a guy like since Montez Sweat that you could just put your hand on the ground and go get the quarterback. So they, they need a guy like that. I'm not saying there's a Montez Sweat kind of guy out there, but whoever the best approximation of him is, that's what you want to get. Offensively, obviously they're going to look at receiver. You know, you got to find, try to find. I think they're going to try to limit it though. You know, last year they took Jordan Mosley and Justin Robinson, who looked like they're going to be good players, but those were those were developmental guys. Those were guys you didn't need them in year one. They if they can find a receiver this year, they're going to want a guy who comes in day one like Makai Polk and it is an alpha. Uh, they they've already trying they're trying to get Ali Jenkins. Ali Jennings, I keep saying his name wrong. Uh, the kid from ODU who was one of the top receivers in the country, well over 100 catches last year. They're trying to get him on campus for a, a visit now. Uh, I think that's their top target. They need a punter and a kicker. Both of those positions are, are, are up for grabs. And then it's the the, the quarterback question. It, it's can you find somebody to come in. I think it's different for State and Ole Miss. Ole Miss needs a guy. They need depth. They need a guy who comes in and is like, look, I'm the backup. You know, I, I, just, I just am. State needs a guy that you can come in and say, look, you could win this job if you can show that you can grasp this offense quickly enough. So that's a tough sell. Do you sell. think anybody You're inside that tra- building thinks that though, or is that just what you want them to? think? They have to think that. If they're not, then they're they're they're, they're living in dreamland. I mean, look at the, watch the the film. Rogers, Rogers is just limited. I don't doubt his heart. I don't doubt his character for one second. The kid raised he raised thirty four thousand for Make a Wish through his touchdown passes, and then found matching donations of over forty thousand, seventy five grand to To make a wish, thanks to Will Rogers, that's awesome, and it's a great story. But watch him play. I mean, he's lim- limited in mobility, and he's limited in his arm strength, and that limits what you want to do offensively. So, I mean, I have to. It goes back to what I said yesterday. If when, you, when you're in recruiting, you're always thinking we got to get better at every position. That's what recruiting is about. Why is it different for for the quarterback position in this one instance? Doesn't make any sense. If Mississippi State, they should try to go out and find somebody to compete with Will Rogers. What was it? 62 quarterbacks or 66
3: quarterbacks entered the portal yesterday, including six mm-hmm. starters from the ACC. Now, some of those guys have already got yeah. landing spots. There will be more. Right. There will be and more. Be, yeah. But a lot of those guys are leaving because they think they can start somewhere else.
2: I just, yeah. It's, it's, I, that, what you're doing right this second, that's the, the tallest task that the coaches face at Mississippi State because a quarterback's going to say, look, you're bringing back this guy who started 30 games, who's thrown for close to 10,000 yards and broken all your school records. Why would I come here? That guy's the starter, and it's going to be tough to sell him, well, you know. Transfer quarterbacks want a job, they don't want a competition. One quarterback has removed his name from the
3: transfer portal, Braylon Braxton at Tulsa, the redshirt freshman who played some down the stretch with Davis Brenn being hurt, played in that old Miss game early in the year. He was in the portal and has now backed out of the portal, withdrawn from the portal, and is staying put at Tulsa, at uh, at least for now. Um, yeah, We talked about some of the quarterback names that are out there yesterday. They're, they're the big, splashy names, and then there are a bunch of other guys, right? I mean... You know, would you? I, I'm just cherry picking a name, right? I, I I don't know anything about Will Crowder other than the fact that he was a backup at West Virginia behind JT Daniels. I guess he was the third string quarterback. He's a red shirt freshman. He's from Gardendale, Alabama. You know, is that a name that, you know, resonates for somebody? What about a Keaton Slovis? Is he going to have a better opportunity somewhere else? Probably. Probably and the word Notre Dame.
2: Oh, really? Especially Oof. with Pine transferring really? out. I, th- I think that's what I, I saw yesterday. But that's the th- that's the that's the thing. I I don't know who of the Power Five guys you could convince to do that. I almost yeah. feel like it's going to have to be a group of five FCS guy.
3: All right, so that's that's actually a really uh, that takes me to the next guy I was going to mention. Austin Reed put up big numbers at Western Kentucky. Yeah, he can play. He's got a couple of years of eligibility left. Not a big guy, 6 feet, 185 pounds. Is a player like Austin Reed looking to go somewhere where he can take the next step and be a starter at the Power 5 level? Or is he like, you know what, I want to go play on an SEC team, I'll compete for the job, and if I end up as the backup, then so be it. My my guess would be a guy like Austin Reed is like, Look man, I've proven that I can play at the college level. Now let me go play for a team
2: in a power five league. Let me go start for a team, right? That's what you kinda have to hope for because I don't think you can get a like I don't think you can get like a Devin Leary to come in. Yeah. His
4: stats are are fascinating so utsa right really good team at his Mm -hmm. level completed 71 percent of his passes for 373 and a couple touchdowns against troy in a loss uh completed 70 percent of his passes for 406 and three touchdowns played at indiana lost in overtime completed 77 percent of his passes for 329 and a couple of touchdowns and uh, his completion percentage wasn't great but he flashed a lot Uh, on the Plains when they played Auburn this year as well. The kid is good. So he's well-traveled also.
3: Originally committed to Southern Illinois, transferred to West Florida, signed an NIL deal with a local business there, won a national championship there in 2019, then decided to transfer to Western Kentucky, picking WKU over BYU, and this year he threw for over 4,000 yards and 36 touchdowns
0: number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man. Bingo. Super Talk, Mississippi. So this is Christmas. And what have So, this is Christmas. I hope you've fun the near and the dear one. The All
3: right, so we talked young. some about the, the wish list for Mississippi State. Well, when you turn this thing around for Ole Miss and, and you look at where the Rebels have needs, I. Think, I mean, there's a one A one B, right? And and you can decide the order, but it's it's linebacker and wide receiver.
4: Ooh, I'll throw a wild card at you that I think is actually priority one. Okay, offensive line, and that's kind of a cop out because the trenches. Joking aside, they are the most important thing. But I, I think if you just look at Ole Miss's offense from from numbers. It doesn't tell the whole story about them up front. I mean, led the SEC in rushing, had the SEC's leading rusher, and Dart was sacked, what, four times? A lot of that had to do with his mobility in the pocket and awareness, though. One, and they're possibly losing multiple guys on the offensive line anyway. So so you're you're losing people, and it was a unit that There's a reason that Lane Kiffin was pushing his offensive line coach out the door, and I'm sure he's thankful for Hugh Freeze for taking him off his hands. That unit could have been much better, should have been much better, and limited them in the bigger games. LSU, they got dominated up front. Alabama didn't have enough time to really get the passing game going. Mississippi State owned them up front, absolutely flat out owned Ole Miss's offensive line. They have got to get better there if they're going to be better next season first before anything else, to me. So do you
3: think the offensive lineman from Alabama is at the absolute top of Ole Miss's priority list? If they think he
4: can play, yeah, I assume so. Um, Maybe second team All-SEC. So obviously the coaches think he can play. You wonder, this stuff turns fans off. I love it. It's fascinating to me. It adds a layer to college football That makes it more interesting after the games are over. You've got to, if you're them, figure out what he's asking for and if he's worth what he's asking for. Or if you can find an offensive tackle from lesser school that's asking for lesser amount of money that you think is an equally talented player. So that's a new layer that's been added to this well, just go get that kid from Alabama. Pay him whatever you want. No, no, you don't want to do that because your war chest for Ole Miss is huge for what people
3: think of you. Well, and think about it this way, right? I mean, there were there were two players that came in last year for Ole Miss through the transfer portal that Ole Miss thought were going to be contributors. Troy Brown, linebacker, coming from the Mac. Good as advertised. If he stays healthy the entire season, his numbers would have been even better. But I don't know where Ole Miss is at the linebacker spot without Troy Brown.
4: And he was exceptional when healthy in the Egg Bowl. I mean, that was probably his best game. He was great. Yeah, yeah, played really, really well. But the other one was Mason Brooks.
3: Offensive lineman who didn't get used a whole lot. Now, there are people that say there may be some backstory there as well. But Two group of five guys. One comes in, you plug him in, he's a starter, he's a playmaker. Another comes in and it's like, okay, SEC offensive line. Got beat out by a red shirt freshman. And if you've got a redshirt freshman and a one year senior transfer who are either equal or close to equal, you'll play the red shirt freshman. For, for for lots of reasons. Mike in Oxford sends us a message. He says the wish list for Ole Miss is one quarterback, three wide receivers, two tight ends, two offensive linemen, three defensive linemen, two linebackers, a corner, and a safety. Sounds about right,
4: honestly. When you talk about, oh God, I know, but but that's everybody. I mean, it's it's a next layer of recruiting, and and the 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 beauty of Ole Miss and Mississippi State too. I think this applies to them. Is you're portaling from a position of relative strength. Yeah, Ole Miss is not desperate with that list. It's guys that they they need to add to be a good team next year, but it's not like, oh my god, if they don't if they don't get a running back, then they are screwed. It's not really like that. Uh, because they have enough pieces returning on next year's team that should be good with some portal addition. Same I would say the same thing about Mississippi State. It's a different circumstance because it's a new coach and a transition. Auburn's desperate to get players. They they are desperate to Not only get players in the portal, but they have to be good right away. All of them. Or else they're going to struggle next year. It's not the same case over here. So that looks like a long list, but in reality, teams are these teams in our state have relative strength when they go portaling. I don't understand stuff sometimes, right?
3: Dante Dowdle, star from Picayune, has been committed to Oregon since 2022, looking at his profile on 24-7 sports. So, so you guys got to help me understand this. There are two crystal ball predictions. One is by Chris Brooks, one is by David Johnson. They both have him crystal ball predicted to Ole Miss, even though he is listed as a hard commit to Oregon and has been since May of last year. Does that mean they know something we don't know? Is that the rumor in the recruiting world?
2: What we so with here? Dowdle, it's a prediction. They predict him to flip. I mean, I don't know when they made those predictions either. I don't know if they have the dates on there or not. No, I don't see that. Um But... The thing with Daddles' situation is this. Grew up a huge State fan, but you know Picayune, right? They throw the ball maybe twice a year. So there was a long long evaluation yeah. process for State on that. Like, can he play in this offense? State didn't offer him until late October. And I think that muddied the waters a little bit. I, I think State's in it for him, but I, I do think Ole Miss would, if he stays in State, I think he would go to Ole Miss as it is today. But he might just stick with Oregon. So, good player though, really good player. If if Mullen or Moorhead were still the coach at State, he would have been one of their earliest commits.
3: It, it looks like both of those predictions were made late April before he committed in
2: mid May. Yeah. And they have not. The been Oregon challenged. commitment was a little bit of a surprise when it happened. I do recall that. Yeah, and, and, and Ole, Miss Ole Miss is
4: going to keep going after him, especially. Yeah, they're going to recruit
2: him the whole way through as well,
4: they wait on Zach Evans, which I. expect... You know, I expect him to declare too,
2: but well, even if he you keep Zach Evans, you're gonna recruit this kid, you know. Yeah. He's too good to let go. I'm
3: I'm wondering about the running back position, right? I mean, if, if the opportunity to get a guy like Zach Evans presents itself, you absolutely 100 percent go get Zach Evans. But when you see what Quinshawn Judkins did as a true freshman, is that a position where you maybe focus more of your efforts on high school than you do the transfer portal? And see, to me, that's the fascinating balance, right? When when you look, it's like, okay, what when we're talking about needs, what do we need that is plug and play through the transfer portal, and what do we need that is helping build depth on the overall roster, hoping those guys can play, and hoping that they are willing, if they don't play in year one, to spend a
4: couple of years developing and not just immediately jump into the transfer portal. And, and now you're seeing it's kind of risky to go all in on high school guys because if the, the, a lot of them are getting really bad advice. Let's be honest, they're they're getting bad advice. Guys, a couple of, of portal additions uh, from Ole Miss, for example, to, to use a local example, guys that hadn't played much because they're young and they're not physically ready to play their positions at the SEC level hit the portal because they weren't playing. It's bad advice. So if you go all in on a high school class and sign a bunch of high school kids, most of them aren't ready to play in the SEC as freshmen. They, they got a bad actor in their life that wants them to go chase dollars instead of develop and get better. You lose these players. So the, it's, when people say there's risk in the portal, at this point, there's risk in all of it because your high school kids are leaving too if they don't play immediately. Jamie
3: and McGee... Says that the Raleigh player, Suntorine Perkins, will be flipped. He is going elsewhere.
2: Well, he did announce today that he's not going to sign in the early period. Oh, really? He'll sign in February. So, because he wants to, his official visit to Alabama isn't until January. So he's going to wait that out. So that's not a good sign, but it doesn't mean he's going to flip either. Yeah. Go back to what you said real quick true freshman running backs, that's like a position you can usually get. It's tough to play true freshman quarterbacks or offensive linemen, but running backs, those are guys, and we saw it this year with Judkins, they can come in right away and, and give you something, especially in Kiffin's offense.
3: Now, in fairness, Judkins is a bit of a unicorn, right? He he had the best. <laughs> I hope so.
2: I hope they're not the growing best... guys like that on trees and Ole Miss.
3: He had the best freshman running season in the SEC in 42 years. The last guy to do what he did's name was Herschel Walker. We got more coming up with you when we come back. We'll we'll stick with the transfer portal conversation on Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Tom Van Heren covers recruiting at ESPN. About an hour ago, he put out a tweet that said, These are the programs with the most portal entries from yesterday and today. I think it was officially 800-something portal entries yesterday, which was like triple the previous all-time high. 18 from Louisiana Tech. 17 from Colorado State. 16 from Texas A&M, 15 from Arkansas, Kent State, 14, which, by the way, their head coach just left to go to Colorado as Deion Sanders' offensive coordinator, Oklahoma State, 13, Oregon, 13, Maryland, 12, Virginia Tech, 12, Washington State, 12, Alabama, 11, Jackson State, 11. And that was just
4: yesterday and today. Gonna be a whole lot more. Yeah. Yep. It, it's pretty chaotic. The the numbers are skewed some. Um in, in uh, places like on three are kind of making it seem more chaotic than it is because every single player gets the breaking sirens treatment when it's like a five star running back who's never played in a game but you've got a lot of walk-ons and never played in there as well. So it's still when you remove those it's still a chaotic mess, but it's not as bad as the numbers say they are because there are walk-ons putting their name in the portal maybe hoping somebody will pick them up or whatever. There's a lot of that in there also. But th- this is free agency. Somebody on the text line said, you know, we should just call this free agency. That's what it is. It's free agency. I understand why fans don't like it and the purity of the game has changed or whatever, but number one, television ratings tell you that college football is as popular as it's been in years, this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Players getting paid, players transferring, college football this year was more popular than it's been in quite some time in terms of, of viewership. And like we were saying at the beginning of the season, if you didn't know, would you know, when you watch the games, would you know that all this is going on? If you removed yourself from consuming media and you just went to games or watched games like you always do, would you have had any idea? Did anything at all change this season in terms of how it looked and felt? No, it, took, it
3: felt like it took us forever to get to opening day, but once we got to opening day, it was that opening football.
4: weekend of the season, we're like,
2: we just had it's to going to be the, the same. It's going to be the same this summer. We're just going to be dragging and... I'll be rolling my eyes and yawning at all the expansion and college football playoff stuff that y'all bring to the show. Not, not, that, not that I don't love you, but you know me, because I'm just like the games, the games, the games. And then when we get to August, nobody cares anymore. The first time that ball the toe meets leather, you stop worrying about those things. You gotta have something to bridge the gap, though. From you do, April. You do, Charles. Trust August. me, I know. I know. I know. And that's all we have: college baseball in this state, thankfully. Yeah.
4: But this free agency period, if you, the fan, are are having a dilemma, I would say just embrace it. Because now, one thing that I haven't liked about college football is that it kind of goes away. And as an NFL fan, despite the Saints being an absolute train wreck, please, Sean Payton, take the Chargers job. Please, so we can get a draft pick. There is something to consume all the time. It's not just 18 weeks and hopefully the playoffs. You've got draft and OTAs and all kinds of stuff that happens around the NFL, including free agency. And if you're an Ole Miss fan or a Mississippi State fan listening to this, there are a handful of tight ends that are in the portal right now that Ole Miss has a legitimate shot at that would be immediate impact players. Isn't that a fun thing to think about? Where you're not relying on some 17-year-old that just played the 3A high school state championship this year to hopefully in two years be good, but for next year, for 2023, you're kind of screwed at the position? Instead, there's a guy from South Carolina that they used really incorrectly that is in the transfer portal right now that you can sign, and he immediately helps your offense. Isn't that exciting to think about and read about? Hey, shoot, my team might add this tight end from South Carolina. Have you seen him? He's huge. He can run. Mississippi State. Ah, Emmanuel Forbes left. That sucks. But there's that kid from Temple who had 15 pass breakups this year. We can go get him. Isn't that exciting and interesting and, and fun as a fan to to look at all these guys at the portal and and go look at their stats and you know, watch their team's highlights or whatever and I don't know. It just—it seems like some people have such a negative view of what could be a positive thing as a fan. You're adding good players to your team in an otherwise dead period. That sounds like fun to me. Let's grab some of your questions and, and your comments on the
3: C Spire text line. Mike in Grand Bay said, "Curiosity question: If a player enter the, enters the portal, is there a chance he might not have a school to go to next year?" Oh yeah, yeah. Like in better the, than average. There, there, there will be hundreds that, that don't have a chair to sit in when the music stops. Going back, hey, Dad, to what you were talking about with, with quarterback earlier, Will is our guy. Sorry, hey, Dad. No, I'm not his dad. Next message, State needs to get the Western uh, Kentucky quarterback. Mike from Columbus, limited arm. With Mike Leach, you only have to throw it five yards. But then we also got one that talked about Will Rogers' fear. Here it is. Will Rogers good quarterback. I believe his main issue is fear, fear of putting the ball in jeopardy. He must learn to throw deep. Defending Mike Leach's offense is easy when the quarterback doesn't go deep. You can take away the intermediate and moderate passing game and allow the short passes. Being willing to go deep takes a defender or two out of the intermediate and
2: moderate areas and
3: frees up more room for receivers to work.
2: It's simple as that, yeah. I, I, I we the, talked the, about the it. Other, we talked about it during this. But, well, I was going to say there's one other option that's to run the ball more. Yeah, but we talked about it this past summer, Richard. We said, you know, Rogers completes seventy four percent of his passes his second year as a starter. But wouldn't you take him being down around seventy percent if it meant he was taking some more chances and you were getting some more yards? You know. I would be willing to take that if you could push the ball down the field and stretch the field a little bit more. I would take a little less accuracy yeah, I to, want to have see, a little bit more of a deep threat.
3: I mean, so let's say state throws it on average fifty times a game. Hmm. I want to see five shot plays, minimum. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it. I don't think that's too much to ask to mix no. in throughout the course of the game five deep shots. And, and they don't, that totally doesn't agree. necessarily mean all go-routes, right? I mean, that's that's post, that's post-corners, that's go-routes, that's combo-routes where you're trying to make a safety, make a decision. You're trying to get a corner to bite on something. You're looking for a blown coverage. You're really pressuring the defense down the field. You throw it 50 times in a game, five is not too many to ask for at all. Uh, Dale from the Delta says, State needs a quarterback that can run in this offense, It can scramble if need be, make the defense account for him. Will's a statue, and we play 10 versus 11 right now. Yes. Pat, or, or Dale, whomever, the flip side of that argument is Will Rogers is wildly accurate. And so, can you get both? Can you get somebody that is even if he's not quite as accurate as Hayda was talking about let's say he's a 68 to 71 percent passer in terms of completion percentage but can also make plays with his feet or are you going to drop down if you get a quarterback that really is dynamic with his feet not as good a passer and he only completes 61 percent and if that's the case is it worth the trade-off
2: I'll say this though, and, and this is this is the truth. And anybody who wants to argue with me, I got the numbers on my side. State can win plenty of games with Will Rogers as their quarterback. They don't have to get another guy, but they do have to run the ball more consistently. That's just the bottom line on that. If they're going to be under 20 rush attempts a game, they're going to lose. They're going to lose nine nine times out of ten. Rodgers can sit back there and be a statue in the pocket, but if you give the ball to Marks and Johnson enough, everything else will open up, and you'll be okay. And it showed all year: showed against A and M, showed against Arkansas, showed against Ole Miss. And, all, and also football, on the flip the side, game.
4: it showed against Kentucky to solidify your argument. Exactly, the losses
2: were the ones where they didn't hand the ball off.
3: You get any sense of where Mississippi State is in terms of NIL capability? And, and, and I mean that there in goes. terms. No, I mean that in terms of attacking the transfer portal, because as we talked about last week, there were some we think pretty significant resources that were put into yeah. convincing some guys to stay that were already on the team,
2: and th- and that's the balance, right? Yeah. They're in a good place, NIL wise. I would we try we keep trying to get Charlie Winfield on here from the Bulldog Initiative. Maybe one day he'll re- respond to a text. Charlie, Charlie, respond to my texts.
3: Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at Supertalk.fm. We'll wrap it up with you next on this Tuesday edition in the Pearl River Resort Studios.
0: Mississippi, let's go time. Sport talk, Mississippi. Well, say something. Super talk, Mississippi. Is and power, is and power, is and power, and power, is 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 and power. You guys are bigger
3: movie guys, guys than I uh, am. Right. Did you guys see the original Avatar? I have. You, you, yep. going to see, you going to see Avatar: The Way of the Water? The Way of Water?
2: Nah. No, I'm not. I, I don't get it. I don't get why it's such a big deal. I mean, it's just a, it's a, the special effects are cool. Don't get me wrong, but like as a movie itself, I was just like, meh. I just
3: was. Uh, I was. I don't understand why it's such a, a huge a franchise. Of this. I don't know who this person is. Oh, Chief Film Critic at IndieWire. Whatever. Avatar, The Way of the Water. LOL, Imagine Being Dumb Enough to Bet Against James Cameron or Teen Alien Sigourney Weaver or Giant Whales Subtitled in Papyrus, Light Years Better Than the First and Easily One of the Best Theatrical Experiences in Ages.
2: I okay. You, you know, like I said, I'm sure that it's it's a great visual feast, but I'm just not into it.
3: I'll watch it.
2: I, I will. I mean, now I will go see Cocaine Bear when that comes out, though. That, oh, that's straight that Netflix.
4: Oh,
2: is it? Well, I'll yeah. be sure to watch it the first day.
4: Have you seen that trailer, Richard? Uh, I have not. It's a movie called Cocaine Bear, and it and is based off of a true story. Where a bear stumbled on a stash of what you can imagine is cocaine. Of cocaine. Ate it and went on a murderous bender.
2: <laughs>
4: and Netflix yeah. is making a I'm dramatized excited. movie out of that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or has made. Ray is in it. Maybe his last performance. So, you know. Yeah. May he, uh, he R.I.P. May he rest in peace. Yeah. I mean, you know, a bear eats a bunch of cocaine and goes around eating people? Sign me up. Okay. <laughs> Be right up the there with I the feel golf like Ryde was two. cool at Disney World. I, I would say that. Oh, I was there the last time I was at Disney was right when that thing opened, and it was like four-and-a-half, five-hour waits. So I was just like, well, guess we're not doing that.
3: I think that was one of the ones that – so apparently Disney's done away with Fast Passes. Like that's not a thing anymore. Yeah, they've changed something
2: up. Yeah, yeah.
3: And I don't know the details, but um, that was something we had a fast pass for, and so it was like a, I don't know, twenty or thirty minute wait, which was far better than the line was. Anyway, I just uh, so will there be? a I wonder if there will be an Avatar water ride.
2: I'm sure they they wouldn't mind doing that. Something uh, else he can stay in the line for for five hours.
3: Kevin says, I guess he was talking about the Bulldog Initiative. Initiative. Tell Richard they
2: have plenty of money. Get there. And then he's $1 million. They have $1 million. They have a lot more than $1 million. It's good.
3: Um... Sorry, I was just looking to see if there was anything else to jump to on the C Spire text line. Uh, You can always be part of the show on the C Spire text line at
4: 601-879-4395. We We did get an interesting message here for what it's worth. talking about the high school players. mm -hmm. Does this volume in the portal make high school recruiting less important? You spend all time recruiting and they leave in a year that's the thing man high school recruiting for these coaches is so hard it's it's a years-long process in some cases where you you get familiar with mom and dad and you have to learn their girlfriend's name and you have to go into their for years you have to dm this kid and talk to this kid and play xbox with this kid or whatever he wants for years sometimes before he may show up to your campus and if he does and he doesn't play right away hitting the portal gone whereas a portal kid hits the portal you make a phone call he makes a visit and he commits to your school or somewhere else it is confined to a couple weeks and as he's opposed there, to a couple year a week later yeah or a month later and he's already graduated high school and been on a college campus The conversations go a little bit differently than they do when you're man-flirting with a 16-year-old. From hearing from people that have worked in recruiting, that sounds... I I couldn't do it. I I could not be a staff member that has to spend 14 hours a day in the summer talking to 16-year-old kids and trying to befriend 16-year-old. I couldn't do it. It sounds terrible. You know
2: what it would You're look like if we had a 12-team board.
3: playoff this year? Have you guys played with what it It'd would be look like this year? Give it to us. Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU 3, Clemson 4. Mm-hmm. Our first round on-campus matchups, which would have a combined 375,000 people in attendance. Tulane at Ohio State. Penn State at Alabama. Southern Cal oh. at Tennessee. Kansas yeah. State at Utah. 105,000 as much in Columbus, 102,000 in Tuscaloosa, 102,000 in Knoxville, and 52,000 in Salt Lake City. That would be glorious. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night.